2: Live from Multispeed Technologies, the Ask Noah Show starts right now. This is the show where we came to do all the things on Linux they said couldn't be done and take your questions on how to do the same. The phone lines are open this hour to be part of the program. It is a free call, 1-855-450-NOAH. That's 1-855-450-6624 or send an email to live at asknoahshow.com. My name is Noah Chalai. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you this hour. It's another episode of the Ask Noah Show kicks off. We are live from Southeast Linux Fest, live from the Southeast Linux Fest show floor. We're delighted to be here with you. It's been an absolutely fantastic conference. And uh, sitting to my left are two of uh, my Linux companions. Um, one guy you heard last week on the Ask Noah Show has been absolutely indispensable uh, as far as logistics go, and and uh, and providing feedback, and and giving insight, and being, um, uh, you know, just uh, just an all around great guy. That's uh, that would be uh, J.T. Pennington. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for having me. That's two weeks in a row that you've made an, an appearance. Uh, well, in person.
0: Yeah. Is this a trend?
2: Well, I don't know. I'd like it to be. Is it possible for it to continue to be a trend and not from across the country?
0: I don't know if, I mean, we could do it definitely across the country, I don't know if we can do it locally. You need to move.
2: Well, or you need to move.
0: No, you need to move.
2: What if we met in the middle? Is that a possibility?
0: Maybe, maybe.
2: Alright, well, well, we'll continue to fight that battle. And joining us for the first time on the program is Mr. Kapavik. Welcome into the program, sir. How's
1: it going? Thanks for having me, Noah.
2: Hey, thanks for taking the time to be here. So you are here for an exciting announcement that we're going to make later on in the program.
1: Uh, hopefully, I'm pretty excited about
2: it. I am too. This is It's going to be super exciting. So let's start by digging into the first thing on the docket, and that is Southeast Linux Fest. I, will, I guess I'll ask you, JT, first, What? how would you describe the environment, the atmosphere here? What do you think of Southeast Linux Fest thus far?
0: So, self has been something that's a conference that you and I have come to for, I think this is the sixth year now. Mm-hmm. And of all the Linux conferences that we go to, the one that definitely sums up this one in one word is community this is a conference where people come to hang out and talk and network and work with other people. Sure. You know, there's the obvious, there's the tracks where you go to all the great sessions they have here. But for a lot of people, the biggest draw of this conference specifically is the hallway track and being able to network with the people that you've met in the past years, compare notes, uh, you know, come up with new ideas, kind of brainstorm together about what you can work on for the next year.
2: And and really build meaningful, lasting friendships. One of the things that I've noticed is when we go out to lunch, um, we're not talking about Linux necessarily i mean it comes up of course but we talk about all sorts of things and insightful things and in life help style things because we start to connect on a very human level and on a level that i think you just don't get in other technical conferences because i've gone to the microsoft conferences i've gone to the you know large it conferences of the world there's nothing like this even in the linux land i think self stands apart as far as the community is that is that a fair Yeah, topic?
0: absolutely. You know, I've gone to conferences all over the United States, Linux conferences, different Linux fests, and this is a conference that, without question, I say, this is where I meet friends. You know, other conferences I go, I meet great technologists, I meet great people to work with, mm-hmm. but this conference is where I meet people that I truly call friends, and I talk to all throughout the year, not just about technology, right. but just, you know, about life.
2: You and I, um, you know, we've known each other for a long time, we've been friends for a while, and... Uh, We, you know, we met at a different conference, but I would say that you and I really got to know each other at this conference uh, to the point that we, you and I got together on Sunday and actually road trip down to self. And part of that is because of that friendship that was formed. And Chris DeLuca is walking down the hallway right now. uh, Again, met him in West Virginia in his hometown. But we really got to connect and and build a friendship here at Southeast Linux Fest. And I I think that's what sets this conference apart. And so when people ask me, if there's one conference you could go to, what would it be and why? My answer always time and time is is self. And then usually what happens is that devolves into a discussion. They say, well, are there particularly great speakers? I don't know. I mean, they're not bad, but I don't go to a lot of talks. Well, are there a lot of really big name vendors sometimes? But that's not why I go. Well, why do you go? To sit on the couch and hang out and talk about shared interests and,
1: and build community. Is, that the, is, that, is this your first self? Uh, yeah, it's my first time ever coming to one. Uh, first Linux conference in general as well. Really? Yeah.
2: So what do you think of self? I mean, obviously, you won't be able to compare and contrast it to other Linux conferences. But as a activity to do, as a pastime to, to take a weekend off, because obviously it costs money,
1: mm-hmm. takes time out of your day. Uh, what do you think with the investment? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've had an absolute blast the whole time I've been here. It's been uh, fantastic getting to meet people that I've talked to in the online community, getting to uh, put a face to the screen name, as it were. Uh, I mean, overall, it's just been a rather enjoyable experience. Uh, I've enjoyed all of the talks, learned a ton since I've been here. And, uh yeah, I've enjoyed it, and I'll definitely be back next year for sure. So that's that's interesting, and we've noticed that, right? JT, you and I probably have seen this trend
2: more than anybody else because we are at a at a at a, at a location where we collect people. You know, we, around this booth, there's people that that sit down over the couches and on the chairs, and and they they kind of collect. And we have watched that grow from literally a few people stopping by and saying hi to now there are so many people that crowd around here that it's like a flock to go out anywhere to do anything. And you, when you talk to those people and say, what brings you here? They say, well, I came once to check it out because I heard you guys talking about it. I couldn't stop coming back. And we hear that a lot, don't we?
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny when I think back to the first time that we came here. I mean, it was you, me, a tripod, and a mic. That's right, camera. Yeah. And we went around to the different to the different booths, and we just were like, "Hey, can we talk to you about all the things that you're doing that are cool?
2: Talk about your passion."
0: And you know, then we people randomly, aimlessly walking down the hallway. It's like, "Hey, you're at this conference. Yeah, we're at this conference. Right. We should have a conversation <laughs> about why you're here." <laughs> and you know, yeah, people would just kind of look at us and be like, well, "Well, that's interesting." You know, they're just going around talking to people, mm-hmm. like just random dude that just happens to be at the conference, but's having a good time, and you know people see that and they're like hey that's kind of cool and you know, then they get the comfortability of when we come here and we're sitting down they're like hey I, I know they walked up and talked to people right. I'm going to go up and walk up and talk to them
2: we've actually that extends beyond the conference itself right because you and i have been to other events then where we run into people and they say hey i remember you guys you were at southeast linux fest and you guys came and talked to me and uh, and you know gave me an opportunity to share my passion and what i was working on and now i'm doing this thing and and then we connect on a different level and and the cycle kind of perpetuates
0: yeah and it's really interesting you know meeting people here and then of course you know we each go back to our own lives we kind of talk you know occasionally online but then when we come back you know, there's that essence of, you know, meeting a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. Mm-hmm. And you get that time of, okay, so what are all the cool things you've been doing this past year? Here are all the cool things I've been doing. And you kind of rekindle and it grows. And then, you know, you go back and you're in doing your separate lives. But then you come back and it's like, oh, these are all my old friends again. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you think about it, we see some of the people here at most three, four days a year. But yet when we're here, it's like, okay, here's my good friends.
2: Yes. Yeah, and the people that I can connect with and the language that I want to connect with them, right? Because I think a lot of us in our own respective communities are the smartest people in the room oftentimes. And I say that with due respect, um, and I exclude myself from that, of course. But but yeah, no, I think we, we are the smartest people in our own communities. And so then when we come here, it's nice not to be the smartest person in the room. It's nice to walk away from a fest. It's nice to walk away from an event and say... I learned something, and I connected with somebody and I learned something. And uh, you and I and, and, and a good friend of our, Steve Ovens, we've been spending a lot of time together, and uh, we have actually moved away from talking about a lot of Linux and gotten into a lot of life events and human psychology and 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 how those two things relate and then how we can apply those things to open source communities to make them better. And that's the kind of conversation you just, you frankly just don't get at any other fest.
0: Yeah, and you just can't have that kind of in-depth really well thought out deep conversation on irc as much as i love irc Mm -hmm. that's just it's not the medium for it
1: yeah you lose a lot of context a lot of body language a lot of you know uh you know i've discovered uh, you're a much nicer person in real life than you are (laughs) so this is funny this is something i hear all the time from people at conferences
0: because they interact with me on telegram or irc or or whatever and it's just like man that guy he is just (laughs) ah man he's just he's aggressive he's
2: always argues he's, he's
0: arguing he's just he's mean um like when I first met Alan Jude, um, you know, he said he said the same thing. He was like, man, I thought you were going to be just an
2: absolute a-hole. But you're actually a <laughs> really nice far.
0: guy. <laughs> like, in real life, you're nice. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I just I tell people exactly what I think.
2: You know, I think part of this and maybe this is I'm dragging too much of our uh, sociology talk, uh, you know, over the past couple of hours into a show where it doesn't belong. But I, dare I say, you're the kind of person that is just very direct. And that takes people off guard because most people, when they say something, they don't mean what they say. They have a hidden message behind it and saying it is their way to kind of passively aggressive push something on the side. And and that confuses you because you're like no, I, I really meant what I just said. Yeah. You just have to take me at face value that I meant what I just said. If you don't like that, tell me directly I don't like that, and then I won't do it.
0: Yeah, like, you know, if, if somebody, let's say, does a web design um, and I don't <laughs> like it, uh, we'll come back to this in a second. You know, I'll just be like, hey, I don't like that. Like, And that doesn't mean I don't like you as a person right. or I think you're a bad developer. It's yeah. just that singular thing that I said I don't like I don't like. It doesn't mean all the other things, and a lot of people. Yeah, there is a lot of hidden meaning, and they do yeah. passive aggressive. And so that's kind of the thing when people meet me in real life, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, he's really nice. He's just very, very specific
2: and direct. Yeah, and direct. Um, so the technical standpoint of Southeast Linux Fest has gone uh, forward. Essentially, what happened was last year. Jeremy gave a very, very motivational speech about where Southeast Linux Fest has been, where it is now, and where it is going in the future. And when I heard that speech, and when I heard him come on the show and share the story of Southeast Linux Fest, instantly I knew I wanted to be a part of that in a very big way. And I, 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 I came up to him, I said, listen, what can I do to help? And he said, AV is one of the most expensive things that we do here. Media is the most expensive thing that we do here. And it's always somebody's side job. Zach Underwood is one of the smartest human beings I've ever met in my life. I swear he knows more about networking than the people at Cisco who make the devices. But... Zack is a very busy guy and while he's busy trying to create the world's most complicated network for one of the smallest Linux conferences right and we do have a world-class network here uh, while he's busy doing that it's very difficult for him to do another full-time job on top of that and I said yeah I would be honored if I could be in charge of media so they said okay you do it and the way that Southeast Linux Fest does things by the way I love they do uh, what we do it just be the sandbox theory this is your sandbox you do whatever you want when you break it it's your responsibility to fix it. If anybody else has a problem, they will come to you, and you'll fix it for them. If anybody comes to me and asks me about it, I'm going to tell them it's your sandbox talk to you. And I, I can work very well under those constraints. Mm. Um, but the way I chose to go about it was every amplifier, every speaker, every microphone is connected to an AES67 IP network and so all of those audio packets are floating around between all of the rooms now the advantage though, the dis- let's start with the disadvantage, the disadvantage to that is when IGMP snooping isn't on nothing works <laughs> <laughs> the upside to that though is when, IG- when we get IGMP snooping turned on and we have the, uh, the audio network working well what we're able to do is take any speaker from any room and Put their voice in any other room or any other place that we want it, including our live stream. So if you're listening to our live stream, what's happening is a bit of a technical miracle. Audio is coming out of a microphone. It is coming back here to the booth. It is being sent to Grand Forks. It is being processed. It's coming back to our broadcast box. It's going into the broadcast box and out to a website where people are able to listen to it. And that all happens basically in real time. And we have, with just a click of a couple buttons and some open source software that we're using, we're able to switch which sources are connected. Uh, and which I guess RTP streams inside of the rooms we're subscribing to, um, and it's it was a is a very complicated system. It's a very expensive system, but we are delivering world class audio that would rival iHeart or Cumulus or any big broadcasting company that would come in to do something like this. And we're able to do it at a much smaller size because we have dedicated people, because we have smart people. Um, uh, Danny, who is a broadcast engineer for iHeart, is here, and I had a chance to catch up with him and kind of go over kind of the ways that uh, best practices and how we can kind of set some of that stuff up, and so he's been helping with that. And um, the other thing that it allows us to do that Jeremy kind of got a kick out of is I can take his microphone and push a button and instantaneously push audio throughout the entire conference because guess what? Every amplifier... Subscribe to a feed so I just changed their subscription from the microphone IP address to the IP address of this broadcast booth or Jeremy's microphone on his belt pack or whatever I can instantaneously send audio anywhere So it's it's been really cool. I'm interested have either of you gone to any of the talks and do you have any feedback about what you've seen?
1: Uh, yeah, I've gone to several of the talks uh, like I said all of it's been fairly educational. Uh, I went to uh when everything is a cluster it was a nice introduction into uh what kubernetes nice. is kind of how it works and mm. uh it was given uh, i'm terrible with names i can't remember i know it was a guy who worked for GitLab. i'd have to look it up it's on the pdf but uh, jason jason wow. Plum? there you go yeah. thank you and uh so anyways that that was a fantastic site uh i saw one i actually missed your talk uh in particular to go to uh one next door that was ongoing uh which is you know one of my favorite programming languages and mm-hmm. uh talking about reflection which Honestly, I didn't even know it was a thing. Sure. going. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just several of them that I've been through so far, they, they've just all been really good. The uh, My biggest problem that I've had with self so far is uh, trying to pick which talk to go to because right. there's so many good ones on every time slot.
2: Yeah. I had the opportunity to give a talk. Uh, I was invited to give a talk on Linux on the desktop, which is a passion of mine. And so I had an opportunity to go in front of a group of people and share with them a passion for trying to get people involved in the Linux desktop and explain why I think the Linux desktop is so important and why I think people need to give it a a fair shake and so I believe all those talks are being uploaded on YouTube although due to some hardware failures that we had there I know that some of the recordings didn't make it all the way back into the Network Operations Center so hopefully there are some things we can do about that once conference is over and we can actually go dig in and and, and pull machines but the automation that we have set up to do that I, I guess didn't work out so um, in any case well where we're at is it's the talks are great I think the technology is working and one of the things that I have what I'm one of the things that we're introducing here at Southeast Linux Fest is a new product that AltaSpeed Technologies is excited to carry and as a a lot of you know that I work in mobile production, and so we do a lot of mobile DJ parties, and we do events like this, and we do weddings and stuff like that, and what I found is that there is a fundamental lack of compact technology that is built with high quality, high standards, and performs well, but is small and compact and enough that I can take it onto a suitcase and fly uh, on an airplane or take it in a, you know, in a suitcase into a, an event or throw it in the back of my trunk. the the heaviest thing that we haul around anytime we do production somewhere are speakers speakers and subs they're heavy they're big they're obtrusive they're difficult to, to manage and frankly they don't have great frequency response and so I embarked on a journey with a good friend of mine Bob Carver who's been on the show a couple of times and my dad to try to build a professional audio speaker that is compact in size is very powerful has great frequency response, but can still be light enough and small enough to fit into a compact car or a compact suitcase. So we came up uh, with a speaker design. And the site goes live at midnight tonight at DeceptiveAcoustics.com. Now, this speaker is really cool. It has a frequency response of 80 hertz to 44 kilohertz. Uh, SPL level 89 decibels, 2.3 volts at one meter. Power handling. Now, this is really cool. 900 watts RMS. You'll notice that every other speaker, when they advertise speakers, they typically talk about peak power. They take... Uh, they talk about peak envelope power and the reason that they do that is because it's very easy to get a speaker to peak at a given wattage it's very difficult to get it to maintain and sustain uh, a wattage over time because it turns into heat and so these speakers have a power rating of 900 watts rms distortion zero percent at 30 watts one percent at 400 watts uh they only weigh 18 pounds per cabinet so you're able to take a a set of speakers um uh, under 40 pounds which will fit in the united states carry-on limit you can put it in your suitcase take them right on the plane they're only five by eight by 12 very small compact design and they are powering self this year so we have the prototypes that are here the order has been placed in our manufacturing facility that's coming out of China and we expect them to be here I believe I was told 12 weeks is when they will be available we're taking pre-orders on deceptiveacoustics.com and uh, I would invite you to check them out the entire design is open we uh, took the entire design and said if we're going to produce a speaker and we're going to demo it at Linux Fest and we're going to talk about it in an open source way then the design needs to be open so anybody can build these speakers if they want to there's nothing uh... we paid a uh, obviously bob to come up with the the, the circuitry design and the eq design um, but we're publishing all those standards and so all of those will be will make those available probably on GitLab, uh... if not right on the website deceptiveacoustics.com um, but we invite you to check them out even if you're not a speaker nut and even if the speakers aren't for you because um... you know it's a premium product and it it commands a premium price tag uh, but what this is going to do is if you wanted to build them or if you wanted to take some technology out of it and build something on top of it, we think that would be great. And so we want it to be an open standard. And so uh, all of that will be available at a de- DeceptiveAcoustics.com. And, of course, I'll have links for you in the show notes at com. Check it out. Now, that is not the only announcement that we have. We've got another big announcement coming up. First, I want to get your guys' take on this. Lenovo has announced that starting with the starting this year their new lineup is going to be available with linux as a pre-installed option now that's huge because we've seen dell do this we've obviously been big fans of system 76 who's been shipping computers pre-installed with linux for years now Lenovo, probably the most prolific company for hardware that people run on linux if you walk up and down these halls at Southeast Linux Fest, you don't find MacBooks. You don't really find a lot of Dell XPSs. What you see is tons and tons and tons of Thinkpads. To the point that <laughs> he's pointing at the uh, Dell. Is that an XPS or an Inspiron? Oh, that is a Lenovo. The IdeaPad? yeah okay do you like it yeah i've loved it it's been fantastic <laughs> lenovo makes great stuff mm-hmm. i have a lenovo thinkpad my wife has a lenovo yoga yoga rather uh you have a thinkpad actually have two thinkpads you loaned me one to, to yeah, do some X2 stuff 50 and an x220
1: which i think you may be right i think this may be a logo two, logo at i yoga two and one because i know it can fold all the way back and it's got the touch screen and all that
2: yeah that would yeah that
1: would be a yoga so these
2: these companies are doing this right they're they're making really high-end computers but the problem is uh, up until now, a lot of them haven't been very excited to ship with Linux. A lot of them want to uh, ship with Windows, and then they'll make it very easy for you to install Linux to the point that this Lenovo that I purchased, my X1 Carbon, which I'm very happy with, has a EFI setting specifically for changing it to be optimized with Linux. And when I found that, I was like, this is really amazing. Obviously, Red Hat and Google, X1 Carbons is their standard issue, and they're sending them out to their, their employees. Um, but you're not able to order them from the factory, with linux and that always kind of baffled me a little bit so now with the p1 it's the p1 second gen the p53 the p53s the p73 and the p43s those are what they're starting i'm not surprised necessarily that they're offering these workstation class laptops with linux what did surprise me a little bit was the distro they chose anybody want to guess which distro they chose to go with sinos Gentoo. <laughs> 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 clever on the Gentoo. 2, uh, you're not far off on CentOS. They are offering it with Ubuntu and Red Hat. Mm. Um, and what's interesting about that is every other manufacturer that offers Linux pre-installed on a laptop, typically it's Ubuntu because they're the desktop operating system. I assume the rationale here is that red hat is a workstation grade operating system and these are workstation grade laptops but i have to ask are either one of you more likely to purchase a lenovo thinkpad now that the linux is officially supported or it just always worked anyway so nobody cares Uh,
1: for me in particular yeah i mean i i got the lenovo because i had heard good things and obviously it was the best deal for the laptop at the time but uh yeah I, i mean that definitely makes me double down i've had a good experience with the yoga so far and Knowing that Linux is officially supported, that just makes it even better. What are your thoughts, JT? Does it matter?
0: Uh, For me, I would say no, simply because if I'm going to buy a laptop, it's going to be a ThinkPad because I know it just works.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But it definitely makes it easier for me to recommend ThinkPads to other people who are kind of on the fence. They just want something that's going to work under Linux. Sure. To be able to give them the assurance that when they make the purchase, they know it's going to just work It's not a okay. I'm going to have to fight with this to get it to work.
2: Right. Oh, very cool. Well, we'll keep our eye on it, and hopefully, they expand that to the T line. And of course, I would really appreciate it if Lenovo would consider extending that to the X series. Hint, hint, wink, wink, Lenovo.
1: I got one more question for you. Yeah, please. Do you know is it uh, also shipping with? So it's shipping with Red Hat. Is it shipping with a license for Red Hat? Yes. And is that a one-time payment license, or is that something you'd have to keep up? Right. So the way that Red Hat does
2: licensing is interesting. Right. You can install Red Hat on anything you want. You can just mm-hmm. download the ISO and install it. There's no license required for that. It's not like they have activation like Windows does. What you pay for is a support contract, and inside of that support contract, one of the things you get access to is the repos. Mm-hmm. Now, I would never tell you on air that I would point a Red Hat box to CentOS repos and it would work. I would never admit to doing that because of course that is not the recommended way to go about it and nobody should ever do that. Never. And it probably wouldn't work. Probably. But it might. Go ahead.
0: Uh, Another thing to keep in mind is if you sign up with Red Hat through their Red Hat developer program, which is free, you get access to the repos directly. Right.
2: Right. So the developer license is essentially the same thing as the $300 license with support, except Mm -hmm. you don't get the support. You just get access to the repos, and then you've got to renew that once a year. Um, So that's what you're paying for is access to the repos. So to, to your question... Is it come with a license? Yes. Is it perpetual? No. You get one year access to the repos. After that, you okay. would either have to pay $300 for a support contract or you'd have to sign up for a free developer account to get access to continue to get access to those repos for for free. And to JT's point, if you're wondering why I'm mentioning the CentOS thing, um, that wasn't always the case. It was a recent development as of, I think, is it, was it a year ago that they made that change?
0: Yeah, well, I don't think it was too long ago.
2: Yeah, so that's that's a relatively recent thing. But developer.redhat.com if you'd like to sign up for a license, and obviously Lenovo.com if you'd like to purchase a ThinkPad. So what I'm sure both of you are super excited about and waiting to, to talk about, we are we started on this project about four or five, or well, Longer than that. Longer than four or five months ago. Almost a year ago, I guess, at this point. We started the Distro Elimination Challenge. And the idea was to to, to gather polls from the community to decide what you guys thought was the best distro. And after we collected the information and got through all of the ones that were recommended in our initial poll, uh, we... Scaled them down to the ones that quote unquote won the distro elimination challenge, and then we sat down and said, okay, what do we do with this information? And very early on, I think it was Kavik that you pointed out. You said you can't really compare two dist- You can't compare any two distros. You can't compare a Slackware distro with, uh, or Gentoo might be a better example. You can't compare Gentoo as a distro to Ubuntu. They're two entirely different audiences, two entirely different purposes. They're both the best depending on what you want to do. And so we said that's not going to work the way that we're going about this trying to compete and get to the one holy grail of distro that's just not an effective method um to accomplishing anything and so we looked at it and said well what how do we compare distros and what we what we arrived at eventually was this you have a given use case either a desktop slash workstation style use case a server style use case a iot style use case and in that once you give that qualifier Now we can start comparing two distros, because if I compare CentOS and Ubuntu for server, there are very strong advantages and disadvantages to both. And there is going to be a majority of people, I would guess, that would say, this is a better distro than that distro. How do we go about effectively organizing that information? And what we looked to was Amazon.com and B&H Photo Video. When I go to buy camera equipment, when I go to buy broadcasting equipment, I don't go by, you know... These clickbaity sites that say ten pieces of gear that you have to have, or the ten best gear pieces of gear 2019, right? That's those sites, I don't know if it's just me, but those sites annoy the heck out of me, right? And so what I do is I go to B and H and I sort by number of reviews. And whatever has the most reviews tends to also have high reviews, and even if it's not a high review, it is the one that most professionals agree on. Maybe it only gets four stars. And the one under it maybe has five stars, but the one under it only has 53 people that have ever owned and reviewed that, whereas the one on top, which only ha- which maybe only has four stars, has 15,000 people that have reviewed it. Okay. And it really tells you what professionals are buying and what they want out of that device. Mm-hmm. And so you quickly determine what's the best. I'll give you another example. Amazon.com, right? I bought a vacuum cleaner at Walmart a couple of weeks ago. And the way I determined which model vacuum cleaner I was going to purchase was I went to Amazon.com, typed in vacuum cleaner, and sorted by number of reviews. Found the, found one that had 5,000 reviews on it, and it was done. And it was the, the, that was the best vacuum cleaner that Amazon sold. I went to Walmart, and lo and behold, they sold that exact same model vacuum cleaner. And so I said to myself, "That's the vacuum cleaner I'm going to buy." And so then we started talking and said, "Why can't we implement that in Linux? Why can't we implement that in a way so that people have a, a community-based site, without not professional reviewers, but but community members that can go on a site and say." when I'm looking for desktop Linux this is the distro I landed on and here's why and then write a review give it a star rating from 1 to 5 and then other people if they're going to look for a desktop distribution they can click on the desktop thing and look and say what did people think of this distro as a desktop use what did people think of this uh, this distribution for server use for IOT use for workstation you know and what we landed on was a website that is essentially a distro review website kind of modeled after the Shopping world is that an accurate description?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fair. Uh, yeah, we, we leaned heavily on, like you said, the, uh, the star rating system. Uh, obviously, it's going to be user reviews. Uh, you know, aggregate, aggregate those will uh have a little display underneath that shows you know, uh, even like how many five, four, three, two, one stars there are, uh, putting together the averages and all that. Uh. So Tell me a little bit about
2: the uh, the the back end design, Kabavik, You were obviously responsible for doing a lot of this. H- how did you how did you uh, how did you go about coming up with this design? What kind of
1: technology is powering this under the hood? Uh, so it's written in Go, um, mostly just because I really enjoy uh, the Go language. Uh, it's uh, super fast. Uh, it's basically made for networking type stuff to begin with. Uh, ran by uh, Google as well on their back end infrastructure. They replaced a lot of their Uh, lower-end C stuff because it was getting a little too complex for them, so it just uh, makes a lot of that kind of stuff and the routing uh, just super easy. Um, As far as uh, the front-end, it's pure just HTML and CSS. Uh, Our our thought process was we wanted to try to avoid JavaScript if at all possible because there are, uh, we didn't want to give an unfair advantage to uh, Linux distros that are not focused on privacy and mm. in a lot of cases uh, especially you know if they're using like the Tor relay or the Tor network sure uh, a lot of times JavaScript is uh, disabled by default and it breaks a lot of sites and a lot of sites just go if you don't have JavaScript turned on you can't use our site uh, so part of that was trying to make it where some of those people for distros like um, like Cali you know, Linux for the security tool stuff or like um, Tails Linux uh, people who use those should be able to come to the site and actually review it, and uh, you know, not feel like they're left out. Let's talk about. I'll, uh, uh, just be
2: upfront and honest about some of the shortcomings of the site. I guess I'll kind of pitch mm-hmm. this to you, JT. What are your thoughts of where we need to go from here? Because obviously, there the first thing somebody's going to say when they visit the site is, "Well, how do I add a new distro?" And we've we have intentionally not included that functionality at launch for a couple of reasons. Um, I guess I'll, I'll I'll throw that first question out to either Kabavik or JT. Uh, you know, what are some of the limitations of the site that people should be aware of
1: before ever visiting it? Uh, yeah. For now, um, I mean, we have several things planned. Uh, we need to get the uh, ratings pagination on there. Uh, we want to, you know, so you don't load up all the ratings immediately under everything. Uh, we definitely uh, need to get a, a, a sorter in there. Obviously, make the ratings and stuff more useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think I've been trying to make a uh, make it pretty mobile responsive. Uh, there's one little CSS bug, unfortunately, whenever you look at it in mobile that makes some of the user rating stars kind of like call me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're tracking, like I said, most of these issues on uh, the GitLab site. It's hosted there. It's yeah. gitlab.com uh, slash Kapovic slash Linux dash Delta. Uh, Anyway, so, so we still have a lot of functionality that we're going. I know we got some feedback on uh, being able to leave uh, uh, no stars and not having it count against the distro. So if you chose mm. not to rate a distro mm-hmm. uh, as a, you just wanted to rate, say, Ubuntu as a server, but you didn't necessarily have any feelings on it uh, towards the desktop, it wouldn't count against Ubuntu in the desktop realm if you left it blank. Uh, so that's another thing that we're going to add in. Uh, and then we're going to try to provide a little bit of formatting, uh... Right now, if you leave a dis uh, a comment, it's just you know a text, uh, just plain text, and we're going to try to make it where people can leave longer comments and break them up a little bit, yeah, you know, make it a little easier to read mm-hmm. some of
2: the text formatting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the website is linuxdelta.com. Uh, I guess JT, talk to me about where the delta in the Linux Delta comes from. Where does that name stem from?
0: So this this goes back our conversation probably about a year ago. Um, where you know, we were talking about a bunch of different things and about community issues and communities and bringing people together. And we realized that we have a lot of kind of segmented communities uh, in the overall Linux community. And we wanted to offer a place where it's kind of an anybody space where anybody from any community can get together and talk. And we've had this in the Jupiter Broadcasting community, we have this now in the Ask Noah show, MindDrip Media community, where it's people from all these different distros kind of all talking together. So we wanted to create a place where everybody can come together and talk about Linux, talk about the things that they like about Linux, about the things they're doing with Linux, because we fundamentally believe that Linux can be a positive force for change in the world. And for anybody that has ever taken a, an advanced math or science course, you know that delta is, of course, the symbol for change. Um, so we we have this, you know, obviously this ginormous thousand-foot view of what we what we want the the site to grow into, but you have to start somewhere.
2: You have to have a minimum viable product.
0: Right. So we're starting with the distro review aspect, where anybody in the community can come to the site. Leave a a review of what they like, what they don't like, whatever their thoughts on the distros that are there. For the distros that aren't there, in the future we'll probably have a request page or something like that. For right now, we decided, you know, most of us in the community, we've we've dealt with GitHub, GitLab. We we know how you know code repos work, Mm -hmm. and well, there's that little issues tab. So you can just file a bug request, and that's hey, this 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 distro should be on there so people can review it. So for right now for at least getting new additions, new things added to the site that's what we're doing is we're just using the bug system
2: so first step is this um, the the website again linuxdelta.com make sure to head over to linuxdelta.com and pick out your favorite distribution and leave a review because this is step one in the site the first thing we need to do is we have a collection of the major distros we need people to go over there and say here is my favorite distro of the ones that are available here's what I think it's best at here's what I don't think it's so good at leave a star rating and then and then write a, a narrative of why you think it's the best distro because what that information is going to do or what that site is going to hopefully grow into is a place for new users to land and say I want to get into Linux I don't know what distro to start with that's probably one of the most uh, uh, interesting questions and confusing questions that new users ask Um, a very prominent uh, Forbes writer Jason uh, has come out a couple of times and said that he is he is still distro hopping we talked to Rocco from Big Daddy Linux last night who said I still distro hop, and I'm trying to get myself off off of distro hopping, and distro hopping is a symptom of needing to try something for yourself because you don't know exactly what the experience can be. And I think we can improve that process, we can iterate on that process, by providing people some basic understanding and basic knowledge, screen caps, and a basic narrative of what they can expect in a given distro. Then they can use that information and say, well these things are important to me those things are not important to me and so this is here are the here are the top three rated or five rated maybe desktop uh distributions that are there and uh, and 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 these are the reasons that people believe that and so this one makes the most sense to me now i'm sure one of the questions that we're going to get or somebody is thinking is well how does that differ from other distro review sites and i guess my answer to that is community right
0: yeah, if you look at the, when, when people think distro reviews, obviously the one that comes to everybody's mind uh, is DistroWatch. Yeah. The thing about DistroWatch, and, and, and I know the guys at DistroWatch, they're great guys, is that it's a site for them to review distros. Right. It's not a site for the community to review distros. You know, they'll do their, their little blob where they're talking about the distros and their thoughts and you can give feedback, but if you just go to a distro page, you're not really able to leave concise, consolidated feedback for other users to then be able to see and reply back to and start a conversation. So we want to take that and again, from flip it on its head and put the community on top. And let's have the space where the community is the one reviewing the distros and communicating with each other and discussing the distros with each other. And for us, as content creators, it also gives us the feedback of, man, like let's say Solus. You know, Solus is one of the distros that's on the site. If we get a ton of people that are just commenting on Solus and leaving reviews and leaving feedback and asking questions, mm-hmm. that lets us know, of hey, there's really a lot of interest in people trying right. to learn about Solus. So now we can reach out to the dev team and say, hey, look, we have questions that we've been seeing we want to give you the voice to come on our show and to explain and to answer these questions to the community and promote what you guys are doing that's different from the Fedoras and the Ubuntus and so on.
2: Absolutely. And I love the way that you're you're tying that in. Um, obviously, we try, you work harder than anybody I've ever met in my life at not just scheduling somebody. You'll find somebody, you'll say, hey, that, that person might be interested in coming on the program, and then, then that happens, right? And that's where most people would leave it. Hey. That person wanted a platform or needed a platform. It was interesting to the community, so I I set it up. Now I'm done, and that's really just like step one of a like a ten-step process for you. Because then what you'll do is you'll go back and you'll follow up with the guest and you follow up with the community and say, what did you think of that? And you listen to that feedback and people say, oh, we really liked this part and we didn't like that part and we really want to talk to more people like this. And then you go out and find other people like that and say, hey, you know what? Uh, the um, was it the not was it B O S? that we interviewed? Yeah, BOS. And, And that interview came about because you said, hey, there is an esoteric, not even a Linux distribution, but an esoteric operating system out there that some people are interested in and it appeals to a lot of the same crowd. And we aired that episode. And I'm telling you, JT, I got more feedback from people saying, that was fantastic. I've always heard of BOS, I've seen the XKCD comic. I just didn't know what it was and I didn't really ever have time to dig into it and that's really cool what those people are doing. I'm never going to install it it's not for me, but it's really cool what they're doing. Then he had other people that said, "I've been using BOS forever" and that brought me back to, you know, my, my 5 years ago or 7 years ago or whatever when I was a BOS BOS user and I I'm so happy that I was able to 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 take part of that. And and so, you know, the Distro Review site allows that Process to be formalized, right? Because now, like you say, there's people that can come out and say, um, you know, this is where the this is where the traffic is going. This is what's this is what's happening. And the other thing I think is really cool is System 76 has decided to come on board and say, hey, we want to support the your distro review site, and we want to take an active part on uh, Pop OS, which is obviously featured on uh, on, on on LinuxDelta.com. So what they're doing is they're writing a custom blurb that's going to go on there, and they're giving us specific links and landing pages and stuff like that, and uh, and allowing us to become that hub to allow the discussion of PopOS to uh, to occur. And I think that's really cool. And I think it's an opportunity for maintainers of smaller distributions to reach out and say, hey, we're doing something very cool inside of the community. It's not going to attract a lot of commercial attention. We don't have a big budget, but this is our project, and this is what we're passionate about, and this is what we're trying to do. Is it something that we could uh, add to the site? And if the community is on board with it, then we're on board with it because we're on team community. And it doesn't necessarily have to be profitable. It just has to exist. And so uh, I, I guess that is an exciting thing for me, and we're excited to launch it here at Southeast Linux Fest. seems like it's a day of announcements. Uh, just a lot of really cool things, a lot of cool things coming to fruition, things that we've been working on for a long time. How long have you been working on the site itself, never mind the actual idea that has preceded probably nine months before that?
1: Uh, well, uh, the, the amount of time I've been working on it's probably a little misleading because it's been since January, uh, but it's been, you know, gotten a little spare time here and there. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, probably you know at least you know sixty, seventy hours probably uh, altogether put into it. Yeah, and and would you say that uh, if you were to if you were to, to to rank everything that we wanted
2: to get done on the site? from from beginning to now how far along would you say before people can expect the uh, the it'll never be a finished product it'll always yeah, be absolutely. something in motion but um before some of the things that people look at and say well why isn't that thing there um what what kind of timeline are we looking at understanding that we're all kind of uh, in in one way or another uh donating some or all of our time to this
1: absolutely uh so uh, at the very least, with the uh, stuff that we want to get done immediately, and uh, actually I just added today the, uh, the upvote or the uh, more useful button that allows you to rank a, uh, you know, a comment as useful. Uh, and clearly, you know, now that we've, we've got in several places where we can get some metrics, we, we definitely want to be able to filter, sort, and search by those metrics. So that's probably going to be the next big thing is trying to get it where you know uh, make it easy for the user to be able to dig through and actually you know find things by certain metrics uh,
2: T, the response to other comments was your suggestion um, that you were very passionate about talk about what led you to say we need to be able to make comments about comments or respond to comments
0: so it's it there's a it there's several answers one is the fact that you know a lot of times there's I'll be doing something and I'm just having a difficulty with a certain distro or whatever. And and I might make a comment to somebody about, oh, well, you know, I couldn't get this to work. And then someone else is helpful and it's like, oh, well, that's because you needed to do it this way. Uh, so we don't want people to be leaving feedback without also others to be able to help when people do run into issues with distros. Because the way we interact with distros, you know, we all think differently. We all process information differently. Is that sometimes we just don't think the way you accomplish task A is, you know, the way we think and the way the developer thought happens to be a little different. So you may come away from testing a distro going, oh, well, I can't accomplish whatever task it is. When really, if somebody just explains to you the other way to do it, all the better. Now you realize, okay, it can do that. So it helps the community, again, kind of help each other out when there are issues. Um, The other thing is that it, It allows, again, for the community to kind of build itself because it breeds that interaction between people where you can have a discussion, you can have a conversation, where somebody can make a comment and if that really helps somebody else, you know, they can just simply say, hey, I really appreciate you pointing that out, that's not something I thought about before. Um, So, it's, it's about, you know, just building those links together and building the community together
2: giving people a place to express themselves and express their their knowledge and experience in a way that other people can interact with that understand it consume it and then make decisions based on it one of the things that i thought was uh... one of the things i guess that i hope that site eventually becomes and we're still investigating ways um, to do this is a, a, a central place for community one of the things that i think has been the the if i was to if i was to try to nail down the single most thing i liked about doing the Ask Noah Show. If I was to try to nail down the single thing that drove you and I to start going to uh, some of these events like Red Hat Summit and and doing very high end video production about Linux content, I would say the reason or the motivation behind that is community and a love of community. I would say that your uh, Kabakov, when 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 you and I started talking, um, you know, you volunteered a good portion of your time. Um, because you believe in community because you like community
1: that's a central aspect of the site is it not absolutely yeah uh, yeah part of what drove my interest was I listened to you know Linux podcast all the time I, I I started listening to you back on the uh, you know Linux action show mm-hmm. uh, and then you know following most of the Jupiter broadcasting stuff uh, you know followed you when you went on to ask Noah uh, you know jumped in and started listening to the Delta Linux guys Uh Mostly, I, I just tended to consume a lot of uh, media and podcasts, I mean, a ridiculous amount because I used to have about a two and a half hour commute sure. uh, one way, so four hour total. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just was trying to figure out, you know, how can I you know, give back in some way? And I mean, you know, you could do uh, monetary donations and that, that's fine, but I was just trying to figure out some sort of way that I could, you know, kind of do that and also scratch that itch, you know, that I have to, you know, to play with and program things and whatnot. and uh you know, I've looked for a couple of opportunities to jump in here and there, and I uh, saw this one and saw that you you know, needed a little bit of help getting things going, and so I'd, you know it seemed like a good place to jump in and give back.
2: At the time that you jumped in, we were literally at a point where we knew what we wanted to do, we just didn't know how to do it, and you weren't the first person I approached. Um, I had approached some very capable web developers and said, here's essentially what we want, and they and, and everybody just kind of told me, that's not really possible, and you you yourself said you're like, well... It's possible. It's just a lot more work than probably what a lot of people are willing to do, and so because of that, um, you know, there's there's obviously there's some cost involved, and I, I can't afford to donate everything of my time, but you've certainly donated the vast majority of it, um, and uh, and so what I hope that that leads to is I hope that other people, people that are very passionate about Ubuntu, will go to com and review Ubuntu. I hope people that are really passionate about Arch. I know that we have. As a testing method, we took a couple of uh, community members that are, that have that we know have bounced from a lot of different operating systems frequently and said, hey, would you go talk about uh, this? whatever distro is your distro of choice right now, what you've landed on and why, and people have been able to provide that feedback. So what we really need from uh, the Ask Noah Show audience and mm-hmm. from the greater Linux community is, well, one, help spreading the word. Getting that URL out there, linuxdelta.com, and telling people, hey, this is a this is a resource that exists. Absolutely. And it is run by people who have, uh, you know, if I can pat ourselves on the back, uh, been examples of good stewards of the community, and so uh, and and make that the place for discussions of various distros to happen. But the other thing is. We need people to see the site. We need people to go on the site and add their content to it. And if there's a distro that we that we miss that is very popular, um, we need you to bring that to our attention. And so all of the resources for doing that, we will have linked on uh, LinuxDelta.com. Even if it's the the the, uh, the GitLab stuff, will that be linked there, or do they have to find that separately?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. I'll definitely throw it up on the readme page uh, this afternoon, and then we'll uh, you know definitely put in a, a, a links and other sections uh, tab. It shouldn't take too much time, so. within a week we'll have it up there
2: so we'll have that available and of course you can find the direct links at com. there you'll find all the articles and references in this show i guess as we kind of wind down the hour what are you guys looking forward to the next couple of days i know some of my favorite talks have been the 3d printing talk there was a talk on how to get started with 3d printing uh gentlemen went through and described what the process of purchasing a good 3d printer is um, what kind of projects you should start with what the best practices are i know that for myself I've always been interested in 3D printing. I always think it's a cool idea. It's something I've always wanted to get into. And at the same time, I've always looked at it and said, well, I I hear about people that Uh, use 3D printing as an exercise in frustration because they tried to get into it and then they get the little ball thing that comes with it that is the first project that you print or the little globe or whatever it is and uh, that prints just fine and they can never get anything else to print ever again (laughs) and uh, part of it I learned today is because of properly cleaning the extruders Mm. and there's a process that you have to go through and there's a calibration thing that you have to do and and so walking through that process was absolutely fantastic. Zach Underwood, the gentleman that is doing his, uh, that is running the network, built a tiny home from the ground up the foundation up he built it all by himself he got it's it's a fully permitted uh tiny house built by a linux nerd so the thing is decked from from uh, from from wall to wall with linux and i had the opportunity to go out there and do some video filming of zach's tiny house and i'm telling you this guy is crazy he has a forest in his backyard that he put unified cameras up and of course because it's zach that has to be fiber so he trenched fiber into his forest for his cameras.
1: There you
2: go. <laughs> I, I like how you accept that as if it's just a normal thing that yeah, people well do. <laughs> Are you saying
0: you haven't done that? I have not well, done that. I'm disappointed. You're
2: disappointed in my dedication to Linux? Yeah. Because I didn't trench fiber to run my cameras you step in my it up. forest. From my 450 square foot house. Yeah. Yeah. So the, his, he's got a brilliant plan. He's, he's He built the tiny house. He decked it out from start to finish. Interestingly enough, in his what he calls his electrical shed, um, that is essentially where the feed from the AC comes in from the utility. But here's the great thing. He's got everything wired in such a way that he can switch to a DC inverter and run everything off of a solar panel and a battery bank. I mean, this is—I mean—the guy is just crazy smart and is doing crazy cool things. So he's giving a presentation about that itself. I know uh, Eric, the IT guy uh, from GitLab, came out and uh, and gave a presentation about how to get started with GitLab and how that can benefit companies. Um, I'm giving a talk tomorrow on how to make money with open source. There's so many people, excuse me, so many people call the program and they ask me. Uh, how do I you know how, how, how do I get into uh, how do I get into Linux as a job? How do I make it a job? and uh, and how do I make money doing it? How can I make fifty thousand dollars a year doing what I love to do? I think I need to listen to that talk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, so what it, what it is you know if you walk around, you look at a lot of these people, they work here and or work in open source, they work in the industry. and when you talk to them and start trying to dig into it, what you find is they got their job. By being a part of the community, right, and uh, and and that's why Southeast Linux Fest gets more people hired than virtually any other event in the entire country, and to include scale, which is, which has the entire attendee uh, base of Southeast Linux Fest in the first hour. I mean, that's just to give you an idea of how big and how different the 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 size is so um, so yeah we're gonna be having a conversation and again all of my talks are uh, I try to make them as as community focused as possible I I got asked to give a talk on a another piece of technology another thing that we are that people became aware that I was doing and I said you know I don't really want to do that and here's why Um, to do that particular thing is very expensive and when a lot of money is involved, it excludes people. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoy presenting and talking and having a conversation about things that anybody can participate in. And I truly believe that anybody that wishes to engage in open source can participate. In, you know, and we, we talk about that being a very empowering thing, that you can, just, you can just find a project that you're passionate about and submit code. And they will accept it, more than likely, uh, if it's good. And, and then when you do that enough times, and you exemplify, you show that you are a valuable uh, member of the community, companies offer you a job. Or you set yourself up to, um, to employ yourself and sell yourself out as... Uh, you know, as an as a as an individual contractor, and uh, we had a we had a, a guest stop by the booth. By the way, if you're not checking out the live stream, you absolutely should southeastlinuxfest.org. Click on the live stream info, and you'll be able to get a video live stream of what's happening here at the booth, mixed with our fancy audio over IP system. So we're pulling in talks, so you'll be able to do that. You can also register as a remote attendee, and then you'll be able to pick whichever ballroom you want to see the talks and get access to those as soon as they're uploaded on YouTube. But one of the things that we're doing is as people are registering, they are stopping by, if they're a speaker, to tell us what it is they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And Striker uh, from Red Hat stopped by and said, uh, here's what my talk is about and here's what, I'm, here's what I'm, I'm doing. And he has made a name for himself with Identity Management, essentially Active Directory for Linux. Mm-hmm. And how he got there was an interesting story. He started doing Identity Management because he thought it was really fun and it was a cool thing to play with. It was a cool project. Um, and and not unlike the RAS DC project, which is essentially Active Directory for Linux, he works on uh, a, a different identity management solution, but it is specific to Linux. And I don't think it works with Windows, and if it does, it's not. Uh, it's, it, it, if it does, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some hackery that must occur for, for, it, for it to talk. But, um, and I don't want to ruin the, the content of his talk, but he uh, was giving a talk about uh, his, his career and his path into identity management and how he could do that. And the way he got that job was because he started doing it in the community. Red Hat looked over and said, man, if that guy does that quality of work for nothing and he's just a volunteer... Man, imagine what he could do if we just shoved $100,000 a year in it. I don't know what he makes, but if we just shoved $100,000, I assume Red Hat pays decent money, shoves $100,000 a year in his face so he doesn't have to worry about starving to death. Imagine what the kind of work that, that and how fast that product would grow. And as it turns out, they're doing very well, and identity management has become a huge part of Red Hat, so much to the point that I was talking to... Uh, Steve from Red Hat and he said hey, I actually ran into Stryker uh, Internally at Red Hat I bumped into him and he was helping me with the, with the, with this project and this identity management project and so Now Stryker is has become not only a professional with identity management um inside of Linux, but he has become the, kind of like the go-to guy at Red Hat for managing that solution for customers.
1: Now, see, I'm really glad that you uh, mentioned that identity management is a thing that uh, you can delve into, because personally, I have had a good bit of experience uh, as well in my job. Really? Uh, yeah, digging into it and uh, just, you know, trying to get our, our login uh, stuff for, we have multiple applications, you know, at, at my work, and uh, a of, that's a very deep topic that not a lot of people have dug into. And as I've dug more and more into it, it just seems like it's just a rabbit hole that just goes further and further down. Well, make sure to check out Free IPA and make sure to chat
2: up Striker and see what he's up to because I'm sure he'd be happy to get you started and, and investigate some cool stuff. Absolutely. 30 seconds left in the program. I just want to say thank you, JT, for all the work that you've done, not only today, but uh, as leading up to self and, and what you do for this program and, and MindDrip Media and what I'm sure you're going to continue to do for, for Linux Delta. Thanks for joining me again.
0: Happy to be here. Happy to do
2: it. Hey, Kapavic. thanks again for the work on the site. We'll have a link to linuxdelta.com in the show notes. And uh, hate mail goes to uh, support@Kapavic.com, right? Uh, no, I believe that's uh, alan.jude. Isn't that right? At, that's right. Com, that's <laughs> right. That's where you send your hate mail. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for joining us. We are live from the Southeast Linux Fest for the content. will continue over at southeastlinuxfest.org and we will pick up the restream here on asknoahshow.com. You can stay tuned to us throughout the entire weekend for live coverage of Southeast Linux Fest. We're happy to be here. The Ask Noah Show will continue at a regular scheduled time, Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central over at asknoahshow.com. While you're there, make sure to check out the show notes where we'll have all the articles and resources mentioned in this episode we're we'll back uh, like you say next Tuesday 6 p.m. central asnoa show.com we'll see you then